Welcome to Ridge to Ridge Outdoors podcast. We talk hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. Ridge to Ridge Outdoors is based out of Temecula, California, and we want to share the knowledge gained through the ups and downs of Southern California hunting. Through this podcast, we hope to inspire the youth to get outdoors, help fellow hunters find success, and bring awareness to the issues facing our community today. Help us spread the word and get our community on the map for the level of skill and determination it takes our outdoors men and women to get it done in Southern California. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Ridge Fridge Outdoors. For the first time ever, we have our first phone-in guest on the podcast. We have BamBam0069 on Instagram. That's his handle. He is a United States Marine Corps vet and the founder of Wishes for Warriors, a program that takes vets outdoors and gets them hunting, along with a bunch of other things that... um, that that help out the community uh and we'll we'll get talking into that a little bit later but uh yeah brandon take us away bam how you doing bro good man how about yourself we're doing all right man uh i've been actually meaning to try to get you on for here for quite some time ever since i met tony uh at hunt shoot drag um yeah we 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 met each other and and he said you're a pretty badass dude stellar dude so i said let's get him on, man. Let's hear his story. So, you know, (laughs) I got some stories. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, man. From from what I hear, man, pretty accurate there. So man, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I come from upstate New York originally, uh, from a small town right on the Canadian border and grew up just hunting fishing and then could have gone and should have, should have played college ball, but my, the war broke out and my dumb ass signed the dotted line instead. Hey, so, thank you for your service, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, so I didn't have a single clue what I was getting myself into. It was one of those um, compulsive things. I just – I actually was listening to a news report after, you know, 9-11, and I was – you know, heard some news reporter, and he was on a satellite phone overseas, and all I could hear was machine gun fire and dudes yelling and screaming and all this good stuff. And right then and there, I was like, man, that's, that's it. That's what I got to do, you know, so – Went home, freaking spent out that senior year playing ball, had a bunch of, you know, offers, go play college ball, and that was that was it. I mean, my big thing was wanted to join and serve, and so off I went. I literally went in the recruiting office. I was like, hey, ready to join the Marine Corps. He's like, all right, when do you want to leave? I was like, now. He's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> oh, I wow. want out of here now. Like, yeah. get me out of this town. You know, and I, I come from one of the most beautiful places probably this country has to offer up on the St. Lawrence River, you know, so it, it's tough leaving, but – it's just it's almost like a dark hole you get trapped there and you never leave so that was my out my way to get the hell out of there off i went joined the marine corps did two combat deployments back to back overseas we did um you know all the fun areas i didn't do fallujah baghdad but we did ramadi and all the northern areas and so yeah i mean i did that did eight years in the marine corps and it just i mean i loved it i hated the marine corps but i love i love my guys and i love being deployed and then came back as an instructor for a while and I, I taught officers the the mark 19 and the in the mark the module 50 cal so you know that was that was a good time and I got, yeah i got out and i went contracting overseas for a while i worked in, in afghan at the embassy there i did some executive security gigs there for a little bit and um yeah i came back and that's kind of when everything just i got back on track with the outdoors and hunting and fishing and you know, I started a couple of companies and to help vets. I actually started an executive security company, which is where uh, we met out in Vegas. Well, we were working on the same project out in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, it's so, you was know. That, that, was that uh, TRTP and Vegas? Both um, of them? I don't, know, I don't remember that project number. Okay. Um, but, you know, we went out there and, 
you know, I started this executive security company and we were only supposed to have like 12 to 15 vets working this project. And within a month I had hired 155 employees. Oh, I had, wow. I'd say a hundred and I think it was 138 or 140 of them were, were either unemployed vets um, that's, uh, you know, we're in the national guard. I actually hired a lot of guys that had like dishonorable discharges, you know, due to, and this is kind of like a shitty problem is that these guys would come to me like, Hey, you know, you get a dishonorable discharge in the military, you're done. Yeah, like nobody it. will ever hire you. You can't even get a job at fucking McDonald's, right. you know? And so these guys would come to me like, listen, man, I got a dishonorable discharge. I'm like, well, you got one opportunity. Tell me the truth. Tell me everything that happened. And you know, we'll go from there. And some of these guys, man, I felt so bad for them. Like, listen, like I, I went through some shit. You know, some of my boys die, killed people, whatever. And they're like, I came back, I got zero help, which, you know, the military is not the best at helping. Right. And these guys would turn to drugs or they'd get put on these drugs and then the drugs weren't enough and they started seeking more to get to help kill pain. Before you know it, these guys are popping on piss tests or doing dumb shit. Then the army or Marine just kicked these guys out instead of trying to help them. So, and, you know, and they'd be honest with me. And I was like, you know what? Like, at least you're honest. I'm like, take a piss test before I hire you. I'll pay for the piss test. They pass the piss test. Cool. You know, so I was able to hire a lot of guys and pay them a very good wage right. um, to, to do that. And so it just kind of grew from there. And then I saw these guys that we were helping. And that's kind of where wishes came into play was with my organization. I was like, man, there's so many these guys that need help with jobs. But, like, what about these guys that are rotting away in hospitals? I was watching so many of my buddies that are just laying in hospital beds, missing arms, legs, paraplegics, that traumatic brain injury, TBIs, you know, post-traumatic stress, all this stuff. So here I am, I got out, you know, had a good job, make a ton of money. And I was like, how do I give back? You know, I always wanted to, I always, I, I lost my best friend overseas right. and Louis Perez. And so that was like a big inspiration for me. I always knew I wanted to do something. So once I was actually, you know, not just some dumbass but in the military and, getting told what to do every day. I was actually running a very successful company, hiring these guys, and I saw that I can actually give back. That's when I, I sat down and um, I launched our, our organization. And, you know, it was, it's tough. It's a lot of work starting an organization. And and so, but I did it and made it happen. And, you know, and here we were. Our goal was like five guys a year is what we wanted to do. And now, I mean, five years <laughs> later, we're doing – I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of retreats and hunts a year. Um, now this year, which was huge for us, we actually just got adopted by Boise State University, which is huge. You know, oh, I run an organization out of my house, right? Everyone's yeah. a volunteer. You know, we're we're it's a dollar in, dollar out, which we're going to start paying actual you know veterans that we've been hiring on or that are you know been coming to work for us. Um, so. What we're looking to do now is is instead of just these outdoor retreats, okay, cool. We send a veteran on an outdoor retreat, awesome. But like what next? Like what's actually helping this vet better his life? Right. Yeah, great. I can send you anywhere in the world. That's awesome. It, it might it's gonna spark that fire within, you know, if you lost it and they, they get the motivation to get back out and, and stuff like that, which I've seen happen, you know, numerous times. But there's a lot of guys like, cool, thanks. Like, you know, okay, well, well, how are you going to better yourself now that we got you out of your house, out of the basement, off the couch? So, you know, BSU, we teamed up with, you know, Boise State University. <clears throat> so now we're actually able to do scholarships. And our biggest thing that we're most excited about is a hardship fund. You know, so with these vets that are there, the first thing you do when you when you fall on a hard time is you, these vets drop out of school. Right. They either got car payments, they got electrical bills, you know, as a man of the house or a woman, whatever. You know, the first thing that they know they have to do is provide. So they'll they'll drop out of school and they'll get us pick up a second job. And so now with us, we're actually able to help them with car payments, help them with utility bills, 
um, if they need groceries, just to keep these men and women in school, bettering right. themselves so they can get the education, they can get the degree. And then now we're working with, you know, with BSU, they have this huge network of alumni that want to hire belts. So now these alumni are starting to learn what Wishes is about, what we're doing, how we're keeping these vets in school. So now we're getting them to start networking with these alumni that own million, billion dollar companies, you know, and they want to hire vets. So it's just, it's a cool thing, you know, and we do our big Wishes for Warmth Thrive every winter um, under Armour. Thank God they finally dumped Wounded Warrior Project once the whole scam thing came out about mm, them. You guys, right. if anybody listening, Google it, you'll see it. And, uh. And so they dumped one. They dumped one warrior project, and they called our hotline, which is my house. <laughs> oh us, wow! You know, and they're like, "Hey, how do we? Who do we talk to about marketing department? Blah blah blah." And it's like, "Uh, yeah, that's us. Like, got it. You know, like, <laughs> that's awesome. We're everything." And so you know, we talked to them, and now they. I mean, they send us a. Tr- I'm talking when I say a truck. I mean like an 18 wheeler full. Like last year, I think, or not last year, the year before, they sent us like 1.3 million dollars worth of cold weather gear. So. Everything that doesn't sell from the year prior, they either have to destroy it or it's got to go to an organization oh, or if we get rid of it. That's amazing. So now, yep, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. And so that's another thing that BSU helps us out with. The, the students actually do a big clothing drive, and they'll help us raise money. But then we get, they get all the clothes, and then they get the addresses and where all these vets are. And they, they and now the students get to ship it out all over the country. And it's really cool. So pretty much what we do is I'll do a video. It goes viral every year. You know, the, the whole veteran community and everybody that supports vets share it. So if you see, like, a, a guy holding a sign under a bridge, like, homeless veteran, you could pull over and be like, hey, man, you're a vet. Like, what size are you? And they'd be like, oh, I'm a large top, large bottom or whatever then you can message us on either Instagram or Facebook. Be like, Hey man, there's a homeless guy who lives under the bridge and we'll send you the package directly. Like obviously it's on an honor system. We can't vet everybody because we're right. getting thousands and thousands of messages. Right. But it's like, don't be a piece of shit and take from fucking right. homeless vets or, or even families in need. There's so many, uh, you know, cases where guys are like, listen, man, there's a family down the street. I'm sure they can use this. Cool. And we'll send them a case of whatever, you know? Right. So, it's just some of the things we're trying to do to help to give back. And so, you know, it is just growing. And so our next, our next step that we're really looking forward to is law enforcement and first responders. And so kind of, we were talking about before the podcast is you look at cops now these days and the cops are, are the Vietnam veterans of our era is how we're kind of looking at it. You know, granted there's, they're not all, they, they kind of do some dumb shit with, cameras being everywhere now but for the most part i mean dude being a cop would be one of the shittiest jobs in the world to me you know, <laughs> oh, well, well the funny I mean, story about think, that is <laughs> i mean think about it because i mean dude, you're doing nothing but dealing with negative shit all day you know like you're never getting called to call, pull a cat out of a tree like a nope. firefighter they get all right. the glory for that shit you know you're calling for domestic or shootings or drugs or it, you mean dude it's just rough it is and then on top of that you have every freaking person that's some cameraman now and you know hands up don't shoot or i know my rights and all this <laughs> bullshit and it's like they're not making they seriously have probably the toughest job in our country and Absolutely. so they don't and they're not getting the respect that they want. So what we're looking at doing is when I say it's the shittiest job ever out of respect. And so, you know, it's just what we're looking to do is start a new program. That's it's a, it'll be a sister program out of, out of it. So it won't go and come out of any of the funds from our veteran programs. So we're looking at bringing on a couple of actual cops that are really big and, um, like into the community and wanting to give back. So we're looking at bringing a couple guys on and pretty much being like, Hey, here's the, 
the template of how to run an organization. Here's how the programs, this is everything that's works for us run it, you know? That's and so, so that crazy. way it could be nationwide. We want to do family retreats for vets, law enforcement or for uh, law enforcement and first responders and trips and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, it's just something that I don't think they get enough love with. And, you know, it's just, if we have the means and the ability to help right. other, you know, communities, not just the veteran community, I don't see there being a big Might issue. Well. With it. well, listen, yeah. listen, bam, that that's so, you know, admirable of you to, to take that on and, and, uh, grow your industry and, and help the, the vets out and the first responders. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you say you're, you're actually going to do that with the, the police department and, and say they're kind of the Vietnam Era vets because uh you actually are talking to one in patrick yeah so I you mean, get it yeah so you guys okay i didn't i didn't have any idea that so you guys understand the struggle man like, yeah i'm a rookie I've cop just fair, getting into it so uh i, I have totally my get fair share of run-ins with cops okay like i am not the most like <laughs> <laughs> like Speed dude, I think tickets. the worst ticket I got a I got a hundred and fifty five and a fifty once from Holy a cow. That, yeah. That's great. And, and so like trust me, I have lost my license like four times because you sons of bitches writing me tickets. But I deserve them. I mean right. I mean it's it is what it is. But at the end of the day, man, it's tough. Dude. It it's is. like you see all these like license registration, like I don't have to show you anything. It's like, what am I being detained for? What am I arrested? It's like, good, dude. I get pulled over more than probably anybody you guys know. I I speed everywhere, everywhere I speed, and they'll pull me over. It's like windows down, license registration. Like fuck, dude. Here you, I'm gonna be out of here in five minutes. But right. Yeah. Exactly. You, you throw this little tantrum. The cop rips your window down, shatters it, yanks you out of the car. Like, bro, you would have been on your way. Right, if you know, just gave like, it up, just just cooperate, you know. Just cooperate. Yeah. That's it. Like, trust me, I ain't the biggest fan of of cop. I, I get a lot of tickets, but it's my fault. Well, it's you also know, necessary like, though, too. You know, uh, it's necessary for the community to have police because I'm sure you know you've been overseas. Uh, oh yeah, it's a shithole. So I don't want my country to be a shithole, and you know, it's a necessity for us to have the police. So you know, Absolutely. If, if you don't like it, get the fuck out. Period. And guess, and guess who's the first to call you guys when something happens and someone's trying to kick in their door, they're going to call you and be like, it took you Meanwhile, they're <laughs> the ones that are talking shit every time. Right. Day. Yep, exactly. You know, so trust me, I get it, man. I got so much respect for especially firefighters, cops, and smoke jumpers and all that kind of stuff. Like, those are the unsung heroes of this country, I think. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for saying that because, hey, man, it, a lot of the days are they're thankless days. And, um, Bam, I just wanted to say that you have an awesome program going on, and uh, you're, you essentially went from that mindset of, you know, going from, hey, let me give, 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 but now you're transitioning to, uh, you know, giving a fish versus teaching a man how to fish. And that's absolutely, that's outstanding. And that was our biggest thing, you know, and, and I've, it's kind of tough to say like to the non-veteran community, I don't know how to word this right. So nobody list, live, be listening to, you know, to take the first grain of salt, but the, the days of pulling these guys out of, out of hospital beds and the, you know, them, rotting away and all that kind of stuff like those days are kind of coming to an end you know like the fresh the guys kind of got with fresh wounds learning every life over again learning how to hunt like those days are kind of slowing down right and so it's like now a lot of the community is just like it's a handout now it's like okay cool what's next all right cool like i just shot this 200 inch buck like 
can I go shoot a caribou next year? It's like, bro, like what the fuck, you know? <laughs> right. And so we started seeing this and, and especially what's nice about having a veteran ran organization with other combat vets or combat wounded vets involved with it is that I might think something and be, and be like, okay, like maybe it's just me overthinking it. And then I'll bring it up to the board and they're like, Oh no, we've been wanting to say this. Like, okay, we need to have a meeting. And then that's like, Oh, all right. Like we're all on the same page. And so instead of just giving, give here, you, like the Oprah Winfrey, like you get a hunt, you get a hunt, like <laughs> yeah, you get exactly. another hunt. Right. Now it's like, okay, like now you went on this hunt, like let us help you better yourself, yeah. help you better your life. Exactly. And so that way, you know, they, they're getting an education and, and now they get a good job. And they're providing for their families. They're not working at fucking Home Depot, picking up carts in the parking lot. Right. You Gives know, so purpose. you're help, trying to help them provide exactly. a purpose for their life. Exactly. And so that's kind of where we're at with it. Now we're seeing the times change. You know, when I launched Wishes, I had so many boys that were still in Walter Reed, still at the TVI centers in Texas or at the Warrior Battalion on on Pendleton. Like, you know, so, but it's kind of slowly fading away. So it's like, okay, what next? I mean, you got to evolve with the times, you know? So um, at least that's how we look at it. And and we're trying to do things better. And and once we start these new little programs, I mean, it just launches us to that next level, which is awesome. You know, we always absolutely seeing the growth yeah well i'm glad you're talking about all this stuff bam because uh us being based out of southern california you know a lot of military veterans and active duty uh first responders actually listen to this podcast so you know the fact that you're you're explaining it and and talking about it and we're getting the awareness out for it it, it's just a good thing all around you know absolutely all right yeah man so changing gears a little bit you said you're based out of pendleton for a little bit um Tell me about some of the hunts that you've been on down there. We've never been on. I Pendleton didn't hunt at all. I never even. Oh hunted, man! Okay. Dude, the only place I ever hunted in Cali was up is all NorCal. Uh, okay. Buddy, and I got. I was fortunate. My buddy Lisa leased this hundred ninety thousand acre ranch, Whoa. and it was just like God's country up yeah. there. I mean, if somebody dropped you off, you wouldn't even realize you were in Cali. So wow. Um, that, yeah, it was it was amazing. But I mean, I tried. We I, we did some dove hunts and things like that on Pendleton, but. Man, it's a nightmare. You get every damn hillbilly from across the nation that's stationed on Pendleton. Oh, and they yeah. all just shoot. I mean, it's just like a war zone out there. I'm so sorry. I just we, I never even bothered. We've heard some stories of some, yeah. some mistaken identity with animal and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, gosh, what a headache. Yeah, it's kind of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. So it, I stay clear. Southern Southern California hunting, man, down here. Be thankful that you didn't really partake in it. Uh, it's pretty <laughs> tough, man. It, it's no joke. The herd down here sucks. Uh, the mm-hmm. biologist will say it's healthy. They're lying. Uh, the lion problem we have is ridiculous. Oh my God. I've heard, lion, yeah, yeah it, I've heard two stories this year. Like I actually just got off the phone with one of my buddies. Uh, his name's Rob. Anyways, his buddy came off Laguna Mountain last night and was stalked for a mile by a lion. Said it got to like 15 yards on him. And I said, you should have shot it. Uh, you, know, have it. I, you know, I'd have let him have it too. And I know it's probably pretty controversial and if fish and games listening to this, I'm sorry, but that's too close for comfort, you know? And, and oh, 15 yards, dude. Oh my God. I would, if it was a hundred yards. I would have let it have it. I don't care. It's a cat. Like it's crazy. Especially if it's following you and it has no fear of you. Oh, you're oh, yeah. dead. And you know, it's on Laguna mountain. They know exactly what a person is. They've seen them. You know, I just got mm-hmm. back from uh it's crazy. There's such a stark contrast like a difference between the cats here and the cats in in uh utah i just got off a a elk hunt up there and and i literally saw a mom and two cubs at 100 yards i ranged it like boom i hit her at 100 and i started like i literally got out of the truck 
and she took off. Boom, she was gone. Like, there's like a natural fear of humans out there. Oh, absolutely. We're here. Well, because we run them with dogs. Yeah. We have that fear. They're, they're, they're run, you know? They know exactly what we are, and they go, oh, no, fuck that. We're out of here, right? Down here, you got these head biters that are looking to bite you in the head. That's exactly yep. what they're trying to do, you know? Oh, yeah. So, it's yeah, cr- my buddy. My I was still in the Marines, so this was like 2000. It was right before I was out, 2011, 2012 ish. He was a narcotics canine in on the res, you know, up by like Temecula area. Right. His buddy, I don't remember where it was, was also a canine, and he came home one afternoon, and he had a big kennel in the back, you know, but no roof on it, just the big walls. Right. He came home, and the whole entire canine's stomach was eaten out of the out of his canine, out of a fucking German Shepherd. Oh wow! Bite out of a bite dog, you know. And mountain lion, but it had come like four blocks in from the mountain yeah. and climbed in his people in the middle of the day and killed the canine dog, ate its whole entire guts and tested everything out. It cleared out the whole, it was just a cavity. Oh man. And, and it was, I mean, dude, what kind of cat does that in the middle of the day? Yeah. The one, I mean, do you know they're walking through houses with people in them? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I watch those, uh, like on YouTube, I go down the rabbit hole and I'll watch like cats caught on camera killing dogs. And you know you always see it, and most of them are like down south in the jungle. But then you go, oh no, that was a that was a North American mountain lion, right? Yep. And you see one like this one distinctly jumps a fence and grabs this Doberman pincher, tries to kill it, and then the homeowner finally comes out, right? But it goes on yeah. for for minutes, and it, it just blows my mind that California has such a cat problem, and no one really outside of the hunting community wants to acknowledge it. Dude, it's all the libtards there, man. They vote for that <laughs> shit, and like, and then you're it's just it's like these other lib idiots that are trying to introduce freaking wolves to Colorado. It's like, bro, look at Idaho, look at Montana where we have wolves, and it's like, dude, it's destroying the numbers. Destroy- right. a moose can't even. I mean, it is like picking on a retard, bro. Like a moose, you get two or three el- uh, wolves after a moose, done. They cannot done like they will run that moose down these logging roads you will follow these tracks and you'll see where like two or three wolves will branch off above and below this moose on the road there'll be two or three wolves chasing it till that the, elk, the moose just tires or the elk and then they just boom right tent, they get those achilles they they eat they chew down that until it just lays down and then they eat it you know yeah, it's they like actually eat it alive too you know it's not oh, like yeah. you kill oh, it before yeah. they eat it and yeah you know Horrible. i was uh i know i don't think you're too much of a fan of joe rogan but i was actually listening to him uh talked to john dudley uh last year john dudley was up in canada and he had an actual yeah. wolf experience but it, it brought me to think like wolves are some of the most evolved predators out there they actually wolves communicate. are the top predator oh yeah i mean that everything that you watch like i have a buddy he's probably killed more wolves in this country than anybody what just calling him in by mouth i mean he kills he is a wolf killing son of a gun and he told me in one week of a pack that he was following, he was trying to get on this pack for for a, a whole week and catch up to him every time, and he'd just miss him. But in that one week, they killed two bull elk and a bull moose in one week. And there's only five of them. Wow, wow. five five wolves. Did and they did one they week. eat them all, or did they just um, killed them to kill? No, they they would they would be pretty much mostly completely done. Mm. But he said he finally caught up to that pack, and he watched the pack go up this this drainage they killed a full-grown mule a mature mule deer he said it took him 45 minutes to get to the next ridge to get a shot and that 45 minutes they had that mule deer all the way down the bone oh wow and he shot he shot the alpha male as they were getting ready to leave he killed the biggest male he killed a giant a giant black solid jet black 
wolf off of it. But in 45 minutes, five wolves had that um, mule deer completely to its bone. He said when he walked up to it, there was nothing left of that mule deer. They just they just devoured it, huh? In 45 minutes, yep. I yeah, it it's pretty controversial. You know, I've watched some uh, wolf documentaries on on the internet and whatnot, and it, it, you see both sides. But to me, I feel like. Obviously, there's probably a place for them somewhere, but if you leave them unchecked, they they're oh, just, absolutely it's they're like gonna, anything. Yeah, they're gonna get out of control, you know. And and mm-hmm. unfortunately, uh, us as conserva- or, uh, conservationists, um, we pay the price because we're the ones that are enjoying the outdoors and and actually taking game. So it, it's just one of those things. And it, it blows my mind that the state will sit here and listen to these the antis, right? How they the, the, the granola eaters on all of this. And it's like, you're going to make more money a year off of tags and hunters than you are on somebody going and taking a photograph of a wolf, maybe by chance seeing one in a national park or something. Right. But I'll tell you what, they look good on Instagram. That's all that matters to people. Exactly. Oh, I saw this video on YouTube. I saw this Instagram photo at this wolf shelter and, you know, people go nuts. But really, they don't exactly. see the other side of how like how devastating wolves can be, or any any top predator out in out in nature. It's like yeah, yeah I try. was I hunted Montana last year with my buddy. I killed my bull the first morning, my first fifteen minutes of the hunt. It was one of those just like it wasn't a big bull, but it was one of those opportunities you just do not pass up. Right. And then I had a deer tag, and so we were going to real high country for for muleys for the next few days. And my buddy, my buddy had an elk tag and he was like, man, let's go into this Canyon. Like there's, uh, we'll see if we can call it elk in this Canyon before we get up high. He goes, I've grown up my whole life here. He's like, this Canyon is guaranteed to hold like 10 bulls. We go in there, freaking bugle, right? First light, nothing. I mean, we're, we're seven, eight miles in. I mean, we walked all morning. Like uh, we were doing 20 miles a day, 19, 20 miles a day. We were averaging. Right. And so we're big, we're far, we're, we're back, we're deep in the back country. And so he goes in there, we bugle, nothing. Go into the next canyon, bugle, nothing. He's like, man, I've never not had a full bugle. He's like, I wonder if he's like, hold on. And he howls with his mouth, just lets out a howl. Freaking 12, 15 wolves just light up. In oh these yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then not to mention that the elk get smart and they go every time. I bugle, I uh-huh. get chased by wolves, so then it just quiets yep. the herd down, and they could be there, and you just never find them. Yep, exactly. And so that was kind of our thing. It's just, it's just. And he, I mean, this is a guy that's literally lives, eats, sleeps, breathes these mountains of Montana, and he's just. I mean, you could just see it in him. He's just devastated because of all this stuff he grew up as a whole kid, and it's not to other hunters, and it's not like because of social media and all these retards posting where exactly where they hunt, tag, and everything. It's these wolves, you know, I mean, no, there's hardly any people that are going back where we're going. Right. And it was just one of those deals, man. You could just tell it just killed this guy because his whole life, I mean, he's got his kids that are growing up. He's teaching him this, but he's like, man, I can't even take my kids hunting here anymore. It's just, it's just chock full of wolves, right? you know? So it's just, it is what it is, man. I just wish people thought about it more, uh, you know, but, but whatever. That, it's insane, man, how the predators do that. It, man, matter of fact, I, uh, I actually got back from Idaho on saturday the end of the season for the any bull unit that we were in was on friday but uh we actually went out there on the fifth and uh john from jp outdoors he's my he's my good buddy and me and him actually went out and and uh he follows you on instagram and you were actually in colorado and and you're talking about how the elk weren't talking dude we had the same thing man we couldn't get we couldn't get the elk to talk at all not one bit man it 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 almost so we stayed out there from the 5th to the, 
I think it was the 13th, which was a Friday. So we left yep. that Friday. We sent all that whole time, man. Didn't hear bugle not one time. And I don't know what it was. It was it was it was ridiculous. Yeah, I got buddies. I got buddies here that they're. I mean, it's so area specific for elk. Is what I'm. I'm not a big elk guy. I'm a big muley bear guy, right? That's, right. Those are, that's what gets my rocks off. I mean, I'll definitely kill a big bull, or I'll kill any bull. To be honest with you, I just whatever. But it's like, man, the canyon where I was hunting in Colorado is one of. I mean, it's just it's the most unbelievable place you've ever been. First off, it's. I mean, literally, I left there. I'm going back next week, but um, I left there completely happy, not killing anything. I mean, the the, the fishing, the brook trout are just the most. Off the, I mean, you're just catching brook trout all day. Right. Most beautiful scenery. I mean, if the elk were bugling, it'd be the top place in the world that I'd ever want elk hunt. Oh, really? And so, oh, it's unbelievable. It's it's actually so my buddy um, Clay Hill. He runs all the governor tags and big muley hunts out of Colorado. Oh, he sweet. owns uh, Hill Hill Guides and Outfitters. And so there's a little plug for him. Nice. But anyways, this is like his private little. He just lets friends and family hunt. So what it is is this lodge that's like nine miles back in this back country that this homesteader back in 1911 built a log cabin moved his family back there i mean i'm talking completely off the grid anyways fast forward to now his family acquired it years and years and years ago but it's surrounded by public land so imagine packing in your cat your camp you know miles and miles and miles in and that's your base camp well we have a cabin there now so you know it has it doesn't have, you know, running water, but it's got solar, and it, it's got what you need. It's got a little wood stove, so it's nice. You know, right. it's badass. And so, I mean, I'm in there. I put on over 30 miles easily in a week. I ended up doing nine days total, but the eighth day was the only day that they started bugling, and I get out, I got out of there, and I talked to my buddy. He's like, man, I got guys on my other property that's like seven miles down this canyon from you, and he's like, they're screaming day and night. Oh, whoa. You know what it is? It's just one cow got all slicked up and brought all and the bulls all in there. Yeah, it's just one cow that gets goes into heat. You know, she's ready to get pounded, and and that's the deal. I mean, <laughs> you know, what? I got buddies. That's such an articulate way to put it. I got oh. buddies in Grand. I got buddies in Grand Junction. It's a hundred degrees in Grand Junction. Bulls are screaming right. day and night, screaming. So it's yeah. like here I am. It's 40, 30 degrees at night. I mean, just the most prime i'm we're glassing up giant bulls i right. know there's elk in there i mean the first evening hunt we got in there that afternoon went out for the evening hunt and that i mean it just walk up boom right across the canyon from us a giant bull giant bull and it's like okay cool there's elk in here and then the next few days we start glassing up other giant bulls but it's like we know they're there we cow call we would just cow call and silent maybe they come in silent nothing i mean it was just so frustrating and then my second to last day i finally got on a giant biggest bull i've ever been on and it was just heartbreaking so oh, it happens I man it happens. i'd rather not relive that story so well if you don't want to tell it man yeah no, maybe another day yeah maybe another day <laughs> huh? Dude, that's that, a, it, was nothing, it was nothing i could do i mean i hiked my freaking ass off i get in i, I called in a i called in a really good five by five i mean he was now that I'm looking back at everybody's pictures from this year on like Instagram, I'm like I should shot this bull because that was huge compared right. to like anybody else was killing. But I mean, dude, all my buddies. I, I my problem is I shoot the first thing that walks in every time. I am that guy. Like I just love killing shit, and so right. I'm like, I'll be in a tree stand. I'm like, man, I am hungry, and a doe comes walking through, <laughs> dead. That's okay, perfect. cool. You know, what? Back to camp. That, that's, you know, like you're, that's the best hunter out there, man. You're, you're not out there for the fame. You're not out there for anything else but yourself, you know? 
And that's it. I could care less. And so, but my buddies were like, dude, don't shoot any five buys. There's giants in here. Like, just get in on them. So this, this, I mean, it was a huge, it was as big as, it's as, it's as big as this arc's going to be. You know, it's all he's yeah. ever going to be as a five by. And he comes in 15 yards. I'm at full draw. And I'm like, God, dude, if you were anywhere else, you'd have it. You'd got so I it. Follow him. No, no questions asked. So I follow this bull up to the top of this mountain ridge. And I'm in there and I'm just bugling back and forth with him, just kind of playing with him because it's the only bull talk. And then I finally ripped this deep, just burly, just bugle. All of a sudden, this bull lights up like 100 yards to my left. Just, yeah. I can feel it. I'm like, holy shit, this bull's right on me right here. So I don't call anymore. And I sneak in, and, the, and what really helped me out was the night before was like a torrential downpour. I'm talking like hurricane-type winds and rain. Right. So I could walk through these pines like it's nothing. It's really quiet. So I get into 30 yards, and I put my back against the tree, and the bull's feeding his ass is facing me. I'm like, all right, this, like, this is going to happen. Like, this is a dead bull. 30 yards, giant, 7 by 6 biggest bull ever. I mean, it's 350, 360 bull easily. And... All of a sudden, I hear crunch, 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 and I look to my right, and this freaking cow elk is walking right up to me, yeah, like man. out of nowhere. Walks the ten yards. She's feeding in front of me. The wind's in my face. I'm like, perfect. I don't care. I'm gonna. I can, you know, I can draw my bow as slow as I need to. You know, I don't have to like point it in the sky like half these people. You know, when they draw their bows, <laughs> and so I can, I can, which blows my mind. Like you see with the range and all their videos, they point their freaking bow straight at the sky and they draw it back. I'm like, how are you gonna do that on an animal? Yeah, I don't know. But man. um, so I'm like, okay, I can just, I can draw, no problem. And all of a sudden, the wind just hits me in the back of my ears. Freaking her head comes up and she blows out of there and keeps falling her and. Uh, I was just like, all right, I'll come back the next morning. I don't want to push him. We'll stay in this. It's a giant basin, but they're at the very top of it. So I get up the next day at like 3.30 in the morning. I hike my dick off, sweat my ass off, can't breathe. There's no oxygen in Colorado wherever you go. It just yep. doesn't exist. And so I'm huffing and puffing. I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm 260-plus on a freaking light day. Right. And, you know, I get in there, and I, I, I'm all excited. I'm like, cool, I'll relocate him this morning, get back on him, and I'll kill this bull nothing dead silent i packed my shit and got out of there that was my ninth day i did like nine and a half miles that day and i was like i need a break yeah i mean when you hit the mountains and and i mean you're literally you leave the camp and you're climbing you're straight up all day no matter what direction you go it's for some reason it's uphill like there's never there's never down for some reason if it is it's very short-lived and you're going straight back up again so story of my life man that's exactly what it was like in utah last week for me and john it was it 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 was uphill both ways it felt like and and we we stayed that entire time we got close to 50 miles on our boots and you know what though at least you got some action i will tell you this much though man i did i so that any bull it's kind of like a hunter choice tag right so you can shoot a a cow, a bull, yeah, calf yeah, yeah. with no spike. You know, I'm sure you know. Anyways, uh, I uh, it was Thursday, and we finally got into a. We actually found this meadow that, since they weren't talking, I just said screw it. I'm just start still hunting, you know, and, and moving. Yep. And anyways, I was sitting on this meadow, and we were all there. And next thing you know, I heard some quakies, some some deadfall breaking, and bam, a cow jumped out. <laughs> I don't know what it was, man. I think it was because I'd been working my ass off for so long that. I mean, my pulse instantly shot up, you know, uh, she popped yep. out. I said, don't fucking move. No one moved. She pinned us right away. Uh, she ended up relaxing, started feeding, walked behind some quakies. I drew back. I told John, I literally went, 
range it. He goes 71. And my I have a single pin. I shoot a, a single pin and I had it set at 60 yards. So my dumbass, dude, just bonehead move, man. It it she clears the quakies. I'm drawn back. She's feeding, moving. I beep her, burnt. She stops, pins me. I put my pin right on her spine and let it rip. Yep. Man, it, uh, left to right was perfect. It was right on the crease. Bam, I swear to God, man. Uh, it smacked her right in the scapula. And it buried probably. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. Because, I mean, 71 yards. I put my pin on her spine from 60 to 70 with my bow. It's only like a eight-inch drop. Yeah, yeah. So I hit her high in the shoulder, man. I smacked her and she she stumbled. I thought she was gonna face plant, right? She stumbles hard, boom, and tears off. Anyways, we tracked her for almost three miles. Ugh. And she ran literally straight down the canyon. We thought she was going to water. She didn't. We we literally had blood for three miles. It was like quarter size drops. And um, anyways, we found my arrow. She ended up going down to the Indian reservation. You know how you know, there's a bunch of Indian reservations out there. Anyway, she jumped the yeah. fence, man. And that was all she wrote. It is what yeah, it is. Yeah, you don't mess you don't mess with the res, man. They will hammer you. It, They'll take everything. Exactly. I was telling my buddy, I said, you know, if it was a reservation out here, you know, different story. Down here, you know, I lived on a reservation for a while with my old man, you know, on the weekends and whatnot. But it's a different story down there. You know, you know people, you can it, it's yep. not out of town. Out there, man, that's a wild west. Especially if you come rolling over Cali plates on everybody hates you guys already. Oh, so. I know, man. So it was just it was bad news. It sucked, but you know what, man? I look at it and I go, I learned a lot. It was the first time ever chasing elk with a bow. Uh, yeah. It was a great experience. I love Utah. It's cool, you know. Um, I love hunting out of state in general, and and yep. it, it was just a success in my book. Yeah, I didn't bring home any meat to my friends and family, but ultimately, you know, I did get it done. You know, oh, so yeah. it is what it is. But nope, it's it's all just fun, anyways. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of those people who are like, oh man, it's a great experience. Like I leave when I don't kill something, I'm like, fucking never coming back here again. You know, oh, like, man. I just I, I want to kill something every time. I, I mean, I tell it. people, I tell people like, if I wanted to go for nature hikes, I'd be a fucking hippie because they have great food. They wear some really soft clothes and they just hike around all day eating granola bars. Like, get on them. Like, <laughs> I know, right? That ain't me. Like, I, I, I don't enjoy any of that. I so, I mean, I'm packing this heavy ass pack of final water, filtering my shit. Like, I want to <laughs> kill something. And I'm eating, I mean, at least I got good food. That peak refuel is probably the best shit you guys could ever eat. But oh, yeah. Like, so, I had, to, I had Tony give me a couple packs of it. And let yeah. me tell you something that Mountain House man just plugs you up. That peak refuel is the, it's the best shit out. Oh, dude, hands down the best. Like, it's my favorite shit on the mountain. It, but, it's amazing. Yeah, man, I just, I, I 90% of the time I leave, and I, I see all the people like, oh, it's just this is a great experience. And I'm like, shut up. Like, no, I want to kill something so bad. You know, spend all this damn money. Right. Bought tags. Like, but I mean, honestly, when I left Colorado, I was like, I was like, I'm perfectly, so I get it now, you know, like, once I experience that. But like, well, the way I hunt is like, we just hike and hike and hike. And get as far back into these mountains as we can. Oh, yeah. And so it's like it's miserable. By the time you get there, you're already smoke-checked. And then it's like – then it rains or the weather turns and you're just like, ah. Right. Like, oh, we got six miles of the truck. Like, let's just get out of here. It's part you know? of it. So, it's just part of it. Well, look, yeah. man. Uh, what? Is, so obviously you're a big figure. You know, a lot of people know who you are, you know. Uh I kind of have some uh, reservations on social media and what it's done to the hunting industry. Oh, I, God, I, I can f- imagine. I feel like, man, hunting 
and this is true. You know, I'm not even going to say it's feel like it. it. It's true. Hunting isn't what hunting used to be because of social media. I feel like no. at this point, all these people are trying to shoot 180 inch, 190 inch, 200 inch deer for the wrong reason. And and they they don't take into consideration of, hey, man, whatever happened to just going out and uh, hanging out with buddies and shooting a two by three or a two by two, you know, like shoot a deer, bring home meat, you know, like be, yeah. be part of the experience. Don't do it for likes. It, dude, it, it's it's tough, man, because like my big thing on it now is I feel like social media has turned hunting into a fad because right. you get the you get these celebrities, right, that have all the coolest gear, and these big built trucks and and all this shit, right? Like, cool, great. But it's like they're not hunting your average Joe hunts. Like I know most of these guys, like I know their TV show. I know them personally, you right. know, there's men and women that are big celebrities and it's like. They're going to private ranches that are allowing a couple of guys a year to hunt it, right. you know, and it's like they're finding these big bucks or feeding them all here. And it's like, then you get these guys who are like, man, I want to do that too. And it's like, I don't, my biggest question I get from young hunters is like, Hey, how do I get sponsors? I'm like, fuck if I know I don't have sponsors. <laughs> right. I, re- right. I refuse yeah, it. You exactly. know, like, because one, if you get a sponsor, then you're, you're owed to them. I get it. So there's a difference in sponsorships and it's, it might sound confusing, but like as me as a person and as a hunter and just want to go out and kill shit and have fun with my boys, I don't need anybody for that, right? right, right. Obviously, it helps. I get a, I get a discount code. Cool. Hook me up. I'll do it all. I'll take it all day. But like, you know, as a podcast, obviously, guys need sponsorships for podcasts. It's, it's a marketing ad when I see like it's a, you know, it's just like a commercial or anything else. So I get that side of sponsors. But like as a young hunter, go out and fucking kill shit and have fun. Right. Stop worrying about getting brand new this and the best optics. Man, I, I, had a, I didn't even have binos as a kid growing up. Yeah, you know, and it's like nowadays you see these young kids out here running around with swaros and shit. Like, I can't even, <laughs> yeah. I can't even afford that spotter. Like, the generation, the millennial generation, I'll tell you what, Bam is all about what their appearance is and how they it's are perceived is, by everybody man. else. So they, all they, it is. they link the gear to the guy. You know what I mean? They say, "Oh, if I have the gear, I'll be that guy." And uh, yep. it's one of the things that we're trying to trying to push this podcast with is like, hey, you know, you don't need all this crap to go hunt. Just go out there and hunt. Yeah, that yeah. we've actually had a couple podcasts on that. Bam, talking about like for new hunters, what do they need to get in? And it's like, get a gun or a bow and go. That's it. Yep. You, you don't need anything killed, else. I've killed more animals. I'm talking growing up as a kid, hundreds of animals, ducks, goose, turkeys, you name it, deer anything in Carhartt or flannels and blue jeans, yep. blue jeans, you know, the only reason I, I have the camel and like that I get the camel I get is because my, one of my best friends is the owner of Cryptek. Like right. that is it. I couldn't, I wouldn't, I'd probably have a couple of shirts and maybe a set of pants, right? you know, but it's like, you know, and that's, that's the only reason I get the hookup on that is because I'm family those guys are family to me you know so yeah. it's just these kids and, and so now with the whole social media thing it's more of a, a fat to go and, and and take these pictures and it, oh god it just it's frustrating to me i just want to tell these kids like man just go have fun exactly. but then at the same time i feel like a lot of people are just killing things just for pictures well so, that's not like, cool you know, I mean, you see it a lot. That's why I kind of give Utah a hard time is because you get all these guys, especially these big celebrity guys or guys with big followings, they'll kill these little forks in velvet. And it's like, bro, like, 
you're supposed to be a public figure in the hunting industry and you're shooting a two and a half year old deer. Like I get it. If you're a kid, dude, hammer anything that breathes in the woods. Like you just need to get kids hooked. You know, that's it at the end of the day. It's like fishing. Exactly. Take them to a pond where they're going to catch 50 little catfish or bullhead in a day. That's where they're just hooked, you know, or crappy or whatever. So it's like with these, with now with these guys, and it's like then they, everybody thinks that's okay to shoot these young deer. Then you got like everybody. It's like California. Everybody hammers anything that moves in California. Then they all bitch about, yeah, we don't have any big bucks here. Well, if you let all your two by twos and you know everything grow a couple of years, you would have good deer. It's just anywhere. But it's just now. It's like they got to get that picture for the gram. Right. And it's like. I mean, last year I passed on a 180-inch buck at 15 yards, but it was a three-and-a-half-year-old deer. You know, it's like, you don't think I wanted to shoot it? Yeah, I kicked myself in the ass for it. I ended up shooting a smaller deer, but it was a more mature deer. Right. You know, so it is what it is. I mean, well, it's each their own, but yeah. it's like... Uh, it, it all plays into the to you know where you're at as a hunter as well, you know? I, I just don't like how I see... I want to see people that are well-known in the industry... Like go out and and hunt public land, a hard hunt like everybody else does, and don't pass on a deer that the average dude would, because yeah. if just like you said, they're doing it for the gram. If they wouldn't, I feel like I'd respect those people way more if they were like, you know what, I've hunted my ass off for a week and uh, I got an opportunity on a hundred and thirty five inch deer, and I took the shot. Like, yeah, yep. is that deer full mature? Probably not. But you know what, man, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just, like I said, it just it just boils down on what what type of hunter you are and how how long Absolutely. you've been doing no, it, it, how many deer you shot. I'm a stickler, man. Like I, so I outfit in the fall. So we have we have probably some of the prime, most prime deer country in the state of Colorado, right? For Eastern Plains to mule deer, right? So it's like for me personally, like I'll walk a client by a 180 inch plus four and a half year old deer. You know right. how hard that is for me? Me personally, I'd shoot that thing square in the fucking right. face. Like, right. No, I wouldn't even blink an eye. But like for us to have big deer for the next year, like last year, I passed on probably six or seven mid-80s or bigger deer that were four-and-a-half-year-old at that four-and-a-half-year-old age. Right. And it's like, oh, I don't want to kill this deer so bad. But that four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half-year-old, I mean, dude, that deer was going to grow. T- I mean, he's going to throw so much more bone on his head the next year. But obviously, we're doing that for these big, high-end clients. Right, I mean, have. they're paying thousands so, of dollars. But I mean, public land, if you're on public land and you have a shot at a decent deer, you don't even question it. You right. handle that thing. You do. You know, public land is completely different than private. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, it, you, you know, know it's crazy you say like you you do you know you guide and whatnot and uh, I got buddies that matter of fact one of them owns deer and elk hunters unlimited out of Idaho and oh, okay. so you know I got buddies that guide up there and then I got one that owns it and they all they all work for that outfitter but they my buddy Matt he's the same way man we went to we went to Utah last year and uh, we were hunting man we saw about a hundred hundred seventy five inch four by four couple kickers on it real nice deer on the day before opener right well yeah you know you're in utah and everybody hunts and they all push canyons with with horses next thing you know that deer was long gone and then we saw him drug out of like four canyons over he was drug out right some dude on a horse but ultimately a few days into that hunt dude we weren't seeing anything and and i ended up seeing about 135 inch forky big old mature forky he's mature man i mean i'll send you a picture after the podcast matter of fact and and you could go damn you know but anyways I shot that. I laid the fucking hammer down on that thing, man. I was like, oh, yeah. damn, that's the biggest deer, you know, that I'd seen outside of the day before opener. And, and you know, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I took the best deer oh, on public right land. Now, if there was a 170-inch deer 
standing next to you, I'm talking like a giant forkosaurus or a giant three, just like a fuck you fork, you know? I don't <laughs> that fork. That's, I love big forks and big threes. Like, that's what I live for. I, I can get, I mean, I love, I'll shoot a giant nearly, don't get me wrong, any day. But those big forks and big three by threes, oh my God. I try to talk every client in the shoot in one of those. They just look at me like I got a dick stuck to my forehead. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> such, such a cool dealer. Like, fuck, just give me your time. I'll shoot it right now. You know? Bad. Like, yeah, they're looking at me like, bitch, I came here for 200 like, shut up. I, I know, like, man. I, I, got a, I got a big thing with Forkies, too. I, I just do. Oh, I, I, cool. I think they're so cool looking, you know, big Forkies. Yeah, they're, they're, just, they're such a shit deer, but I mean, I, I, especially a real deer, man. There's nothing cooler, I think. Yeah, it's badass. Well, listen, man, uh, we're about an hour into it, and we really do Damn, appreciate it. Right, yeah, we're just talking, man. Time flies, don't it? It does. Listen, man, we uh, appreciate it, man, uh, very much that you came onto the podcast and, and told us your story and, and everything you do. It's a great thing, man. Thank you for your service. And, and Absolutely. We're very proud of what you do on the outside. And, man, keep appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, you too. And I'll, I'll let you guys know when we get the, the next um, chapters of the organization up and running. If you guys got any boys that need some help, send them my way. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll go ahead and push that when that comes out. We'll. We'll definitely keep our listeners posted. And guys, we highly recommend that you go ahead and follow Bam at on Instagram at bambam0069 on Instagram once again. Um, and take a look at Wishes for Warriors because it's a great program. And uh, it's definitely worth your time. And, you know, hey, if you see someone in need, it you have you have the outlet to make it happen and, and get them some support. So... Uh, Bam, thank you so much. We'd love to have you on again. Um, but That's any time, boys. I'm ready. Absolutely, man. Maybe uh, maybe next year, man, we'll all get together and, and go hammer some milk in the public land, bro. That or you guys got to come to Texas do an odd ad hunt with us. We got a big ranch down there, man. That is probably one of the most fun hunts you'll ever do. It's just oh, driving man. around, drinking beer all day, and glassing a big ram. So <laughs> I'm game, man. I'm game. <laughs> Sounds like a good time, after, man. It's after the hunt season's over and, it's like, you know, it's before it gets stupid hot in Texas and we go out there and just – it's awesome. All free range, big – I mean, dude, it's it's big mountains down there that we hunt. It's, it's a lot of fun. You guys would enjoy it. Right on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, hey, hey, I just want to say thanks for coming on, man, and uh, – Appreciate you coming on, and and uh, a lot of people. I just want to say that probably think you're a little hardcore. Some of the, some of your stories and stuff, which I think they're funnier and crap. But uh, you know, I met you when I finally bumped into you at Walmart. Oh no, was when did you move? Like two years ago, something like that. Yeah, two three years yeah, ago. Yeah, you were on your way out the door two days after I met you, and we talked for like an hour in the uh, what was it like the phone aisle or something like that at Walmart. And, yeah. Uh, it was pretty cool, like for you to give your time and sit there and talk to me and nobody for an hour at Walmart. You know, I just, you know, to me, I appreciated that. And my son, of course, who was with me. And uh, it's, you know, like I said, some people kind of can take you wrong for being hardcore, but straight up, dude. But uh, that that just shows the character of you, you know, so. Well, I appreciate it. And that's the kind of like the problem today is that you get these guys, like people look at like, oh, bam, you're a celebrity. It's like, I'm not a celebrity. People follow me, one. I don't know why. Two, it's like, I'm just a dude trying to get it like everybody else. And so you meet these celebrities and you look up to these guys and all of a sudden you get a chance to talk to them and they'll like blow you off. And it's right. like, dude, I've been blown off by guys that I looked up to for years. And it's like, damn. And it's like, so, you know, for me, it's like, 
I'll never forget where I came from. I'm nowhere now. Fuck, I'm out here grinding public with everybody else. Like, I'm not hunting some giant Under Armour private ranch. And it's like, you know, so that's kind of why I, I'm tr- I try to be so real on social media is because, one, you get everybody now that's sponsored, they'll push the shittiest products, right? It's, I know so many so these these hunter fam celebrities that don't even take they don't take they don't use they don't believe in anything all they're doing is collecting a paycheck and making a post and at the end of the day me as a guy that busts my fucking ass provide for my family work do whatever spend the whole season guiding to you know to save up for other elk tags or deer tags how would i push a product that i don't believe in for you to buy it Right. You know, so like, so that's my thing. So when I see bullshit, I call it how it is. Because I want somebody to be able to go on my page and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Or they see me using something. Oh, okay, cool. Like, you believe in it. Like, right. I would, I, that's kind of like the downfall. We kind of tie in and wrap this up. But like, that's the downfall of social media. You can't believe anything anymore. Right. You know, you get all these people, oh, these are the best supplements. Or this is the best gear. It's like, I one, I know it's bullshit. Turn the bottle around and read the ingredients. It's horrible, <laughs> you know. And yeah. obviously, when it comes down to like boots or camo or broadheads, whatever, that, that can all vary. That's shooter preference or hunter preference. But it's like, man, how am I going to sit here and be like, this is the greatest product? Buy this. Use my code. And it's like, then I'm not even using it myself. That's right. I would feel like the biggest piece of shit. Dude, that is you know? legit. So, you totally, you totally like. You gave me the code on the Kafaro bag. And peak refuel, both of those products, uh, yeah, top quality. I definitely, yeah, I mean, you know, dude, Kafaru one veteran ran. I mean, Patrick's not a vet himself, the owner of it, but Aaron Snyder runs Kafaru now. Right. And dude, good buddy of mine. Like, I switched to his pack a couple this year, last year, and dude, great pack. I mean, I've packed so many deer, bears, you name it, out of it. I love it. It's like so. Like, I, I first thing I do when I ask when I start working with a company or I'm representing a company, I'm like, hey, like. I know I'm going to sell your product because I believe in it. My followers, using that lightly, you know, are going to want the product too. So, like, I don't ever ask me, like, hey, man, if I sold this, maybe I get money back. I get nothing back. I get no kickbacks from any company that I support. One, because I want to support companies and help small businesses grow. And two, if I could help my buddies save some money, 15 25% off. Why the fuck would Hell I not? Yeah, right. That's what I did. Thank you. You know, and, but but to, in today's age, it's all about me, 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 me. Oh, I got gear. Oh, hey, dude, hook it up. Oh man, you know, I've been, I have buddies that are sponsored TV shows that call me for hookups, and I'll be like, hey man, can you hook me up with like Thompson Firearms? Like I need a muzzle. <laughs> I know, oh, right? Dude, like I need a muzzle. I've been working on that for years. Like <laughs> motherfucker, I just I just got you so much shit. Like you serious right now? So right. I'm one of those guys, man. If I could if I could take care of your your average Joe, which is us, right? Why would I not? You know, so like yeah. I, it's, it's just, but now the hunting industry and social media, everybody's got to be about the biggest, baddest, best deer in the world. I mean, sh- well, whatever. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, man. Th- yeah. Thanks, man. And with that, I think there's no better way to end it than absolutely in that. And, uh, once again, bam, bam, thank you so much for being on. Um, and guys, for you listeners, uh, make sure you go ahead and check him out and check out, check out wishes for warriors, man. Cause it's legit. It's a hundred percent legit. Yeah, if there are any vets, if there's any vets or wives or husbands or brothers, sisters, aunts, whatever of disabled work, so wishes is you got to be 50% combat vet, uh, related or more disabled, combat disabled or more, right? So you know, 50% is our rating for the veteran side of things. Uh, it's wishes the number four warriors org is our website. So if you are a husband, wife, or whatever of, of a, a veteran that's struggling with PTSD or just needs to get back out or you need help with anything. 
um, you can apply for your loved one, if that makes sense. So we've had sons apply for their dads because they see their dad struggling and not doing right or their moms or whatever. Um, so the vet themselves doesn't have to do it. And I, I could say this because I'm a Marine. Marines are fucking retards, half of us. So most of the time we tell their wives, go on and fill out the application and get the proper paperwork because that's wives do everything better than we do anyways. And so, you know, that's kind of where we're at. So you don't have to do it yourself. You can have a loved one do it. Or if you're a daughter and you see your, your husband or your dad, you know, struggling, they can go on and apply. So we, we do that as well. Right on, man. I appreciate it. And yep, uh, I'm, appreciate sure the, it, I'm sure the listeners are going to take you up on that uh, information you just put down. Absolutely. Hey, uh, once again, man, uh, we appreciate you coming on and, uh, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Pam. Appreciate it, buddy. Hey, thanks, bud.